taking me on a journey. In, I like to think of it this way. In Ephesians chapter 3, he tells us that we can experience... Let's look at that word with me. In Ephesians chapter 3, we can experience the height, the breadth, the width, and the depths of his love. I'll read that word. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now, when a diver goes into the sea and explores the depth of a sea, most men take that, make that a career. They become a career diver if they go down into any real deep part of the sea. They have to do a lot of training for that. But notice that the Lord does this almost, I, I think of it like this, a, a, a cross-fit experience with us in His love. It is exploring the, his depth. We explore the breadth. It's like traveling all over the world on the breadth of it. The length of it. And length takes endurance to experience it a long time in your life. The length and the height. How about going into outer space and exploring that? We call them astronauts. And typically, they're not necessarily sea divers. or, But we get to explore the height of God's love and the depth. And to know this love of Christ that surrounds us as a, as a universe of love. This is what the Lord has been doing to me, is kind of setting this again in a clear, fresh way in my own life and saying, I'm giving you all of this. Come, explore it so that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. So that you may be my own spirit, body, and soul may be filled up with His love. And if you're feeling overwhelmed just by that thought, read on. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or even think, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. This is not just for you and I. This is for all generations that God has set this truth. The vastness of His love in front of every one of us to explore. If someone were to come to you, someone from NASA were to walk in here today and say, I'm going to take you to the moon, Nash. 
I'm going next week. Want to come along? Well, I know. They're talking about it. Building a little village up there. John's like, not me. Are you sure? That'd be quite a... It's a bit of an overwhelming thought to any one of us, right? We'd be like, wait, wait. This is going to be life-changing. This is going to be the experience of a lifetime. Just exploring the moon. But this is much better and much bigger than that and much more awesome than that. That's just, that's a physical dimension. That's it. It's only a physical reality and experience. We're speaking of a spiritual reality and experience that also involves my physical body, a complete spirit, soul, and body experience. After, you know, kind of looking at it and being in awe and overwhelmed by this thought, it is so important for me and you to look to Him, now to Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or even think. Do you believe that God can do a work in your heart that you haven't even thought about? That God can bring His love and fill you with His fullness to the much more than you've ever even pondered or considered or asked for? He can. And He stands ready to do it. To do that, to work that power in your and I's life. And... As I thought about this truth of imitating God in Ephesians chapter 5, and I've been pondering that I, I can only do this because I'm loved by God, and I believe that, as I spoke last Sunday, that I'm His beloved child. And in verse 2, And walk in love just as Christ also loved you. To me, that, that word into my heart that I am to walk in a love with others just as Christ loved me is just like an astronaut showing up here and saying, Phil, I'm taking you with me to space. Let's go. It's Jesus standing here. Jesus, the Jesus who lives way beyond the moon, standing and coming to you and I and saying, Come, walk in this love that I walk in. Live in this love that I live in. Love with the love that I love. Because you're loved. And I'd love to take you with me and let you experience this life that I live. That is the most amazing truth for me that I could experience that reality with Jesus every day. Even in my own shortcoming flesh, as I live in this flesh that so easily sins and needs a lot of forgiveness, yet Jesus invites me and you to walk 
in that same manner. This, as he continues in Ephesians chapter 4, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, Paul is begging the church at Ephesus, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Jesus stood and he called us to this. And he says, now, Paul, just as a brother is saying, I'm begging you, brothers and sisters, walk with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love. Walk like this in your life. Love is a very general word in the world we live in today. And I am again in richly blessed by how the Lord defines love to me. The world has given love a definition. It's a fleshly, earthly definition of love. It's quite natural. But God's love that He's inviting us to do, to enter into with Him and walk in on the earth as heavenly astronauts and experiencing the greatness of His love in my life and being filled up with it. That kind of love is very different. It's not natural. It's supernatural. And it overcomes the natural. Just like those astronauts put enough of firepower into their uh, shuttles or what are they called, boys? Rockets or, yep, like shoot them. They defy the law of gravity by taking them beyond it. That's how Christ's love can do in your and I hearts, in our hearts. And he doesn't leave us guessing what it looks like. I'll give you a clear illustration that I thought about. God demonstrates His love to us like He tells us as a father and mother, as parents, to demonstrate our love to our children. In Proverbs 13, look at this word. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, I think it is. Yes. He who spares his rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Does that sound like a loving father to you? Wait, what? What? He who spares discipline from his son or their daughter, their child... They surely love them. I mean, the reason they would spare it and not do it is because they so much love them, right? That's the natural man. The natural thought is that if you really love someone, your child, parents, you'll spare the discipline. That's real love. God says, not so. If you spare discipline and you do not discipline your children you're hating them what most 
any natural-minded person would look at that and the world would look at that word and say, that's baloney. That's just not true. It can't be true. But God said it. It's true. You see how different the natural mind thinks and wants to define love than what God defines it. Now let's back up a little bit and look at Proverbs chapter 3. Before the Lord said, taught us how to love, He first defined how He loves us. In Proverbs chapter 3, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Boy, that's a life that every one of us want, right? The blessing of the Lord on my life. He says, oh, my, my body will find refreshment and healing. He says, length of days and years of life and peace will be added to me. Who doesn't want that? We all do. So then, going back to chapter 13. So then, in verse 11, my son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves. Even as a father, the son in whom he delights. How blessed is the man who finds this wisdom. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. It is more profit. Its profit is better than the profit of winning the lottery. Silver or gold or precious jewels. Nothing compares to finding this wisdom in your life and in my life. God's definition of love. You know why? If I don't believe this with my whole heart and I lean to my own understanding and thinking... I will live a God-loveless life. I'll live and I'll try to love, but it'll all be natural. It'll be all according to my own understanding. God won't be in it. When God comes to discipline me, to demonstrate how much He loves me, His favor upon my life, I'll take it as a punishment. I'll take it as I've done something wrong, I'll receive it with fear and loathe it 
I don't know how many of you adults, when you were children, how your parents disciplined you, but my mom had this awful habit. It was terrible. To this day, still sometimes makes me shudder. You know, I could, I could relive the feeling right now, just telling you about it. Her habit was this. If I disobeyed her that day, dad was off to work. She would say, okay, I'm going to tell dad when he comes home. And he'll decide what to do. It ruined my day. The whole day. I remember, maybe when I was your age, Michael, or Lucas, probably nine and ten. I remember one very specific, I don't even remember what I did, but I remember the horrible feeling I had in my heart. And I remember walking out behind the house and going, Oh God, I wish it was a thousand days from now. (laughs) I just wanted to live in the future. (laughs) Get this day over with. Oh, I dreaded when my dad came home that evening. Whew. I don't even remember if I got spanked or disciplined or not. I'm, I just remember what that did to me. That loathing of my father's discipline in my life. And dear brother, sister, I also know the same feeling towards my father in heaven. The flesh will loathe his discipline in your life. The flesh will. But if your heart reaches up in faith towards him and says, God, this is, I believe you're demonstrating your love in my life. The loathing will go away. That loathsome, loathsome fear can be overcome through faith. And that's why First John, John says, Oh, brothers and sisters, dear beloved children, this is the faith that overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes your world, even our faith. It overcomes a natural understanding of God's love in my life and takes me into this reality of Ephesians chapter 3. Things I hadn't even thought about. It's a complete, Renewed mind, renew a new way of looking and believing and experiencing God's love. Hebrews chapter 12, the Holy Spirit again shares the same word with us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, verse 4, You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. I don't know if any of you have, but I haven't yet. I haven't shed any blood in my wrestling with sin, my striving against it. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. And that's the problem. Many times in our striving against sin... We don't see that I need God's discipline in my wrestling against sin. Do you see your need of that? Or do you think you can do it without any of God's love being demonstrated in your life? You see, I've seen in my own life 
that in my striving against sin and de- determination and wrestling against the, my own flesh in overcoming this, the, the, the desires for sin or in overcoming the pressures of the world or in overcoming Satan himself, it's easy to forget these words just like they had forgotten them. And to think that somehow it's God just coming along, you know, and just kind of like picking me up and carrying me across the sin that I'm sold and setting my feet on a, into heaven, you know, and everything's just, that's how I'll get there. That's what the natural man wants to do. The easiest way possible, Lord, to overcome sin, that's what I want. And so I forget so easily these words. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by Him. For those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines and scourges. That means whips. That's what that word is. A scourge was a cord of string they would put together to make a whip. And he, God, whips every son whom he receives. Do you believe that he loves you? Or not? How are you, when you read Ephesians 3 just a few moments ago, what were you thinking? (gasps) Sure, just put me in a space suit and in a shuttle and away we go. But do you know what those guys endure? The amount of training they endure to be able to take that ride? It's years of training. Years of lots of discipline in their life that they allow men to put upon them so they can endure the journey. But, you know, just the thought of it sounds amazing and awesome. And so it is in the Christian life. The sound, the thought is amazing, but the experience is transforming. It transforms your life. The discipline those men and women need to do and go through to get to the moon or get out into outer space and do their job properly transforms their whole life. If you were to sign up for that, your life as you knew it up today would be over. You'd put, be put on a strict diet, strict exercise, incredible strain that they would put into your body every day and your mental fortitude, for, uh, strength and all of those things. That you, you, it would transform your whole life. And that's exactly what Jesus offers you and I. A transformed life. It is for discipline that you endure, verse 7. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, listen to these amazing words. Is your Christian life, is your love that you experience from your heavenly father just a nice, sweet, cozy feeling? If it's without discipline of which all have become partakers, then you're not his legitimate child. 
If your Christian life is without discipline, God says, you're not my child. Because I discipline my children because I delight in them and I love them and this is how I love them. I train them to become holy people, clean people. I train them to live righteous lives. I, I take their wretchedness and I forgive all their sins but I don't just leave them alone then. I bring up my children in the way of righteousness and wisdom while they live on the earth. God trains his children else he would be the biggest hypocrite ever because he tells us in his word that we as earthly parents must train our children. And if he who doesn't, but yet he commands us to, he would be a hypocrite. He does. Long before he tells you to do any of that, he does it the moment that we are consciously aware of his love. He disciplines us. This is how he loves us. Look what it does to us. Verse, 49, uh, verse 9 of Hebrews 12. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we rejected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? This is life. For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But He, God, disciplines us for our good that we may share His holiness, His cleanness, His love that is pure and perfect and holy, the only way you and I get to even share or experience that love is this way. That's why he does it. Every other way is a natural way. And that's why so many in the world and the world system we live in today, the world government does not understand this. They don't believe it. And they teach us and our children exactly the opposite. But it's a lie. What the world is presenting to us and so many times what my own understanding is, is a lie. It's not true. It's not the real thing. It's a decoy that will lead me away from experiencing God's love and loving others with the same way beginning in our homes with our children that we may share his holiness all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards it yields exactly what Proverbs 3 said the peaceful fruit of righteousness that's the life it yields to you and I. Does it every time. Not momentarily. Longevity. The end. The yielding. The fruit that comes out of that life is the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So then, because this is true, therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak, that are 
that just don't quite believe it, that are not reaching for this. Let's strengthen those hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. I often, for a long time, I looked at those two words, 12 or those two or three, four verses, 12 through 15, in particular, as almost like a, we're changing the subject now. But he's not. He's saying, because this is true, now live like this. Therefore, this is what will strengthen those feeble knees and those hands that hang down. It's experiencing God's discipline in their life. That's the only way that you'll be strengthened. That's the only way I will be strengthened. Look, he's making it personal. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Make straight paths for others' feet? No, your feet. Walk this way. It's a straight path. So that the limb, which is lame, if I have a knee that's hurting or an elbow that's hurting, all... Reese knows this well, I'm sure in, in sports, all athletes know this very well. There may be a time for rest, but the real healing comes through training, training, exercise, exercise makes it stronger. That's what God is saying. Your exercise, my exercise of this kind of love in your life, if you receive it and you're exercised by it, the limb which is lame will not be put out of joint. The leg won't be amputated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. And he's right. If you won't receive this kind of love from your Father in heaven and you have an earthly, natural mind about what love is, and how you're going to love, you won't see the Lord. You won't see the Lord now. And unless somehow through the mercy of God you repent and you begin to see it this way, you'll never see Him and share His holiness because you're not His child. That's what He says. You're an illegitimate child. And you'll be fooled into thinking that God loves you through giving you candy and sweets and everything your heart desires. That's the proof that God loves me. And as soon as God does want to bring discipline in you, you'll reject it. Think of it lightly, like he says here, or in Proverbs he says, you'll reject it. And so I believe that the Lord wants me, first of all, but all of us, to get a renewed mind about what it means to explore the height, the depth, the breadth, and the length of His love in your life. How will you go about experiencing that? This is what God is saying. This is the way He'll bring it to us and have us experience it in Him. 1 Corinthians 13 is a word that 
I have been reading a lot lately and in, in, in this context, through this paradigm, through looking at God's love now that we understand how it works, let's look at how he defines it for you and I to live. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I'd like to illustrate something. Jason, could you get your guitar? Would you mind doing a little illustration here with me? Because I've been thinking about this a lot in, in, in my life. And the Lord has been, has been really convicting me of this in an earthly way. Would you mind bringing it up here and stand here beside me now? Do you mind if I strum a little bit on it? I'll try not to mess around with it too badly. Now you can see I am untrained in this guitar. But hey, I love to sing and I love the name of Jesus. I love you all too. And the journey of my life is playing this guitar. So I'm gonna sing to you all day, every day, on this guitar, whether you like it or not, I think I'm pretty good. How does this sound to you all? <laughs> now, how about Jason? How about you play a little song for us? Just demonstrate the difference. Come on over here. How I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. Wow. You got to experience the difference. All of you could sing together. We all could sing with him and be edified and be blessed, but not one of you are following me or singing with me. You guys all have a problem! You need to get in love with music! And love my guitar and love me! Isn't that exactly how we are in life? It's how I am so many times in my Christian life and in how I want to maybe love the boys or love my wife or love you or love the world. It's like I'm just picking up my guitar and this is easy. I'm just doing my thing that I love. But Jason has spent, I'm sure, many, many hours. He didn't come out of his mom's womb playing the guitar, I don't think. I'm sure he spent many, many hours training, training, training to play that guitar so that others could sing with him and be blessed, be encouraged. If I speak with the tongue of men and of angels but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Just the guy walking around, playing his love and living it out. But to everybody around me, it's just a bunch of noise. 
And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries, I'm genius and all knowledge. And if I have all faith, I can tell Rocky Mountain, be cast into the midst of the sea. Wouldn't you guys be in all of me if it actually happened? I'd, I think this place would be a lot fuller than it is this morning if I would have moved Rocky Mountain last week with just one word. They would have ended up in the Pacific Ocean. I think there'd be a whole lot of TV cameras around here. And the whole world would be watching. I mean, you know, little news, like in Texas, of what happened yesterday. And a guy just taking a gun, killing, was it 20-some people at a Walmart? Makes headline news. What do you think that would do? If I have all faith and all knowledge and all wisdom... So as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. See, here's the difference. One appeals to the natural mind, and the natural mind is in all of its demonstration. But God looks at it and says, nothing. Heaven looks away, doesn't even pay attention. It's not in all at all of it. Heaven's not impressed, and no one there is impressed. If I were to do that, it wouldn't impress anyone in the heavenlies. But all the earth would be impressed, most definitely. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned but do not love, it profits me nothing. Even we Christians are deeply impressed by a love of that kind of a sacrifice. Should, the, should our world be turned upside down next week and Larimer County capture a few of us and put us in the downtown square of Fort Collins and burn us alive? Would you guys be impressed by that? They loved Jesus for sure. We all want to love like they loved. They endured to the end. They loved we know they did. We would all be saying, we want a love like that. But unless, unless these qualities and ingredients of what I'm going to read next would be in that act, it wouldn't be love at all. And yet everybody on the earth would be so impressed, even all of God's children probably. You see how easily we're fooled? How easily we're impressed by something that God says, it's not even love. I'm not there. I'm not impressed. Love is patient. If my love isn't patient, it's not love. Now, patience has its growth. Let patience have its perfect work. James says. That means let it grow in your life. It doesn't mean I'm perfect in patience, but my love, both to God in my life, receiving it that way, look at how patient God's love is in our life. It is the first quality of God's love towards us. Patience. And if my love towards you has no patience in it, it's lust. It's not love. 
It's selfish. It's demanding. It won't wait. Wants it now. That's lust. But the world loves like that all the time. And they call it love. Love. Oh, they speak of it in such sweet-sounding words that make you feel tingles. But all it is is lust. The demands of my flesh. Love is kind. Is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly of a child of God. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. How many wrongs are you counting in your life? Counting any? Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This love never fails. All those other earthly demonstrations of love, unless they have this ingredient in it, maybe you ought to come to the Lord and ask Him for a revelation of how you're receiving His love and how you're sharing it. The definition of love in your life. Have you allowed your earthly mind to still mostly define your love life? Or the world, or your flesh, or will you take a fresh look again? Will you and I take a fresh look at God's definition of His love and His invitation to you and I to come and say, come and experience it? So I seen again today, I have a clear choice set in front of me with this truth. I can continue to walk around strumming my guitar, living my love to the world around me and become obnoxious to those around me. But even worse, heaven's not paying any attention. Prophet's nothing. Because God's saying, not my love. Or I can take all of that love that I think I had, and I can bring it to Jesus and say, Here's all my earthly undoneness. Train me. I can lay my tar to the Lord Jesus, and in this case, I'm not saying Jason's Jesus, but he's a trained guitarist or someone. I can go somewhere who will train me to play the guitar in a way that I can, with wherever I go, when I start playing the guitar, people sing along. They're blessed, they're encouraged, they're edified. It's a song that people are joined in. But even more importantly, heaven joins. The song of heaven and the, the, the saints 
join that song. That is the life I want to live, brothers and sisters. And I see again in my own life, that's my greatest need. Because in my own flesh, I'll love my own way. But when I come to the Lord, put my faith in Him, trust in Him with my whole heart, and yield to Him in such a way, I'll allow Him to train me. He'll turn my life, as that song goes, into a love song. A song sung by heaven for all eternity. Each one of our lives, Christ wants to turn into His love song. Song for all eternity. Joined together by the saints on the earth and the saints in heaven. Father, I pray, turn my life into a love song. By your spirit, by your power, my faith, Lord, is put into those words in Ephesians 3, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think. To you be the glory. You're able to do it in my life, in the lives of my brothers and sisters on the earth, for your glory. And we worship you. And I yield again to you in a fresh way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.